Her and EU, a European podcast on gender equality. Brought to you by the Martin Center with Loredana Teodorescu. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this new episode of Her and EU, a podcast on gender equality and women's role in the society. I'm Loredana Teodorescu, and our special guest of today is Irene Fellin, NATO Secretary General's Special Representative for Women, Peace and Security. Irene, thank you so much for being with us. I had the pleasure to share with you an important part of your journey, and now I'm chairing the organization you founded, WISE Italy. So let me say that I'm particularly excited and honored to have this conversation. I would like to start with your own personal story. You have been engaged in gender issues for a long time in the international arena. Among your accomplishments, you were instrumental in establishing the Mediterranean Women Mediators Network, and you founded, as I was mentioning, the Italian chapter of Women in International Security. So looking back, what have been the ingredients of your success and how being a woman working on gender-related issues has affected your career? I mean, was it ever an obstacle in some ways or, on the contrary, an advantage? Thank you, Loredana. First of all, let me thank you for inviting me to join this uh, podcast today. I'm very happy to be here with you and to share some uh, of my experience. And, uh, of course, I want to say, yes, uh, what was very important in my life i think it was uh, uh, never uh, accept things how they were coming so it's always try to look uh, forward and to exit my comfort zone life not always goes how we expect or plan sometimes i was challenging my professional role or my plans and this is how then i decided to launch wise to change my career and to enter uh, in the in the world of gender equality because at a certain point i realized that uh, as a woman i had some uh, limits so i wanted to uh, be part of the ch this change in the world and i think that as women we all have to a role to play in this and this is all only if we do this on an individual basis and then if we find a network and we establish networking work in synergy that collectively we will have an impact uh, in the world. Noe asking me if I have to reflect as being a woman, uh, if it has been difficult. Um, this is a question that I always uh, also make to other women uh, or it's often uh, discussed in this field. And I believe in, in my uh, personal experience, this is a bit different compared to other women um, working in the field of uh, uh, security and international relations or politics, because uh, I decided to uh, become a gender expert. I decided to uh, work in the field of gender uh, equality and, uh, and security, which means that I reach now a very high level in this field. And uh, I am considered uh, very high in what I'm doing. But of course, I remain uh, what we, in what we could call a niche because I'm dealing with women's issues. And even now at the at NATO's level, I'm in the close circle, close to the Secretary General, I'm his special representative, so I can interact with the highest level of our politicians and uh, the senior leadership. 
but I have the feeling that always, uh, uh, since I'm dealing with women's, is women's issues, those are considered less relevant uh, compared to the hardcore issues. So I think there is still a long way to go uh, to see uh, this nexus between uh, gender and security put at the center uh, of the uh, international security agenda. And still related to uh, gender, women and security, and of course to your work, uh, my thoughts go to what is happening in these weeks in Ukraine, uh, which reminds us the importance of working all together for peace and security, and reminds also how us, how women are disproportionately affected by conflicts. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how is the conflict impacting women? Yeah, thank you for the question, Oredan. It's very timely to talk about the gender perspective in, in this in the current world, as it always is. Um, what you pointed out correctly um, is the core of the UNSCR uh, 1325, the resolution that underpinned the Women, Peace and Security Agenda that was adopted in the year 2000. The resolution aims at uh, highlighting the differentiated impact that conflict have on men and women, and especially the key role that women can play when uh, um, a conflict of, uh, occurs in uh, preventing, managing, and resolving the conflict itself. If we look at the current uh, uh, war in Ukraine, it's very clear that uh, there is a strong gender dimension. Uh, men between 18 and 16 years uh, cannot leave the country. They are called to stay back and fight. And so the majority of the refugee that it's now uh, more than uh, 3 million currently, and there is an expectation that the, this number will uh, reach uh, uh, 5 million at least, uh, are in majority women and children. If we look at what is happening, we saw that in the past uh, three weeks already 4,600 women gave birth in very unhealthy and unsecure uh, conditions. And uh, the UN estimates that uh, more, um, more than 80,000 women will give birth in the next, uh, in the coming three months. This has a, a very high impact, not only on the health conditions right now, but also on their possibility to uh, breastfeed their children because the violence and shock and tension will uh, have an impact on their milk production. So they will not be unable to breastfeed the children and there is a lack and shortage of uh, powder milk. So when we analyze uh, conflicts with a gender impact, we have to bear in mind uh, all these details so to respond in the right way to the security needs. We always, we saw also recently, yes, a attack on uh, uh, the theater where children and women were um, trying to find a, a shelter. So what is going on is horrible, but at the same time, it is very important that we look at uh, uh, women not only from a, a victimization uh, role, because they play different role in managing the crisis. And this is exactly what I was um, uh, I was about to ask you. So what is the role Ukrainian women could play uh, in this situation? I mean, if we look at what the media are telling us about the conflicts, we see many courageous women. Uh, however, there are no women at the negotiating tables, which we know happens, unfortunately, very often. So are women really absent or are they, let's say, just invisible? Yeah, this was uh, also my first reaction when I saw the picture about this initial uh, negotiation. 
of course, we can see that it's only a very limited number uh, from both sides that are coming uh, to the table. So this is not uh, how normally uh, proper peace negotiation take place, where the delegation are uh, bigger and they are normally more inclusive. In this case, certainly women are absent. And as you pointed out correctly, this is, remains one of the major challenges when we talk about uh, women participation in mediation and negotiation efforts. In this case, uh, I know from my uh, bilateral dialogues with uh, Ukrainian uh, politicians and uh, also civil society that women do uh, are taking part uh, uh, in the managing the conflict also at high level. So it's, I would say that they are more invisible than absent. If we look at the uh, Ukrainian government, we see that three of the uh, deputy uh, prime ministers are women and they are playing important roles. They are also minister for European integration. They are also at the same time now coordinating uh, the humanitarian aid. So they are really playing a close role and they are, they are part of the close circle of President Zelensky. Um, but certainly they are absent from the dialogue uh, official, I mean, yes, if we can call them this initial stage of the dialogue. But at the same time, as you said, they are playing a huge role uh, on the media as a journalist, as a, um, as in, as a reporting and informing the uh, Western or the rest of the world, the, the global world of what is going on. And they are also very active uh, at level of the civil society. But I would also say they are also fighting very hard. I know personally women who are, who are part of the army in an official role right now, uh, at the end of the 2021, women reached the 15% of the official armed forces. And now in the, uh, after um, Ukraine removed some barriers, uh, they uh, at the end of last year to the official access to the armed forces, they now reach a 22%. So just to give you an idea, Italy has 60.7% of female um, in, of women in the armed forces. So there is a big difference. And right now there is a even higher number of women who joined the resistance. We don't have the figures yet, but uh, we are trying to collect more of them. So they are really uh, fighting for their countries and participating very actively. And you mentioned it already somehow, but I think it is really important to stress it in this context. So facing current global challenges, how uh, women leadership can make the difference and be beneficial for peace and security. It is often said that uh, women uh, have a different vision compared to men. Men uh, look at the security from a hard point of view, from a ceasefire, but uh, they don't really look uh, a medium or long term. Women have this different way of approaching problems, try to solve uh, the question from the root causes. This kind of uh, uh, vision of peace, of culture of peace, uh, is uh, part of a vision that wants to uh, establish long-lasting peace. Uh, we saw this also during the management of the COVID crisis, how the way in which uh, Western uh, society also were gender blind in their way of uh, addressing problem had a big uh, impact on uh, the female population or the possibility to participate in the workforces of the lack of uh, a welfare system. The root causes is how uh, the society are built. So it's still the problem of the patriarchal culture. I believe that if even in the Russian society, if we would have seen more women in the leadership role, I'm wondering if uh, we were here today. So my point now is uh, that uh, even in my current role, 
I would like to find a way to bring women uh, together from the two sides in a, in a dialogue of peace. In war, uh, from both sides, always, women suffer a lot. We see now, we mentioned now the women in Ukraine, but uh, I'm always thinking when we look at this war, we know that this is Putin's war. This is uh, what he wanted. And uh, we have to think about the mothers, the sisters, the wives of the hundreds and thousands of Russian soldiers who, who were convinced to go in an exercise and then found themselves in war. I think that uh, there would be a possibility to find a dialogue and a synergy and a solidarity bet uh, between women from both sides. And uh, this kind of dialogue would certainly help in uh, building more peace. Clearly, inclusion of women at all levels is crucial and beneficial for all, as you highlighted very well. Still, uh, women are highly underrepresented in peace and security. So why is this participation so low? And how can the international community help overcoming those obstacles? It remains low because at the end is a question of uh, circles of power. I always say that I don't think that men do it on purpose, excluding women. It's a question that the women are not in the right place when decisions are taken. So this is why uh, also creating a women's network is important because uh, this establish a, a different culture of uh, leadership. But at the same time, what we need to avoid is to create echo chambers. So women's networks are important because also for sharing experiences to uh, sometimes build uh, more confidence. But at the same time, what women next need is to provide more uh, possibility for women to be included in uh, similar networks where decisions are taken. So it's to provide visibility to, to women, because in the end, what we need to do is to work in synergy, both men and women. We are not in competition, but we are there to work uh, to complement each other. And with the different perspective we bring, uh, we will certainly build a, a more peaceful and uh, successful and sustainable society. And in this regard, let me go back to your role and your work. So what are you doing within NATO to promote the Women, Peace and Security Agenda? The work that NATO uh, undertook with the implementation of the Women, Peace and Security Agenda um, started in 2007, when NATO uh, adopted the first policy on uh, WPS. Certainly when uh, WPS and 1325 were adopted, so the agenda was developed, uh, the idea was not that NATO was going to be an actor in its implementation. This is an agenda that was promoted by female civil society and uh, uh, for, as we said, a culture of peace, not to make a war safer for women, but to make to uh, increase the contribution of women to make a world a safer place for uh, the entire population. But we have to recognize that the need to defend uh, our countries is it's still necessary, unfortunately. And we, in these days, we can really have the proof that this is unfortunately what we still need to do. So I think that the, the NATO took the right approach to uh, integrate a gender perspective in all the business that we are doing. At the beginning, starting, as I said, in two, uh, from 2007 and in the first years, the NATO integrated a gender perspective only in its operation and missions, which means that uh, uh, we included gender advisors when we were on the field. 
after the first years, there was uh, an increased recognition that NATO's core task, uh, collective defense and cooperative security, in addition to crisis management, were always areas where the gender perspective could be included and implemented. And this is how our action plan expanded to include this gender perspective across the core tasks in all activities we uh, do. We are now moving forward in preparation of the uh, new strategic concept that we'll, we'll adopted in the uh, Madrid Sunday at the end of June. Try to see how this uh, important dimension for the alliance can include uh, be included really as part of the core values of the alliance because gender equality it is really what defines uh, our alliance of values together with uh, uh, democracies, freedoms, and rule of law. Thank you very much. And let me conclude maybe with a final personal question. Uh, so you have been engaged in gender issues for a long time. You are uh, a strong supporter of female leadership. Uh, today, you are also inspiring many women and girls. You are mentoring young women. And I can say it, you've been a role model for me as well. So is there a person who inspired you uh, throughout your life? And is there a message that you want to leave to our listeners? There are a few women I met in my life, uh, and uh, maybe I didn't realize uh, immediately that they were uh, pivotal uh, but in, uh, in my progression and my career. But uh, now when I started the mentoring process, you know, we always say this is a moment where you stop and you look back and you realize uh, who gave a lot to you and what you can do to give back uh, to others. But there was a person that uh, certainly inspired me and helped me to change my perspective. And there, uh, this was the person when I, I realized that I was a feminist and this uh, approach to this studies was not only a question of uh, increasing my culture, but that I really wanted to have a role, a different role in the society. This person is Yakener Turk. She was my professor, mentor, and she became a friend. She was my professor uh, in Turkey when I studied gender, gender and women's studies. And at that time, she was a UN special representative for violence against women. Meeting her, listening to her, uh, helped me to change my vision on uh, the role of women within the society. And this is when I also realized that uh, everything I had in my life, uh, because I was born on the right part of the world, uh, could not be uh, given for granted because uh, we, as a women, uh, we face challenges every day, especially in the field of uh, violence, uh, which can be uh, physical, economical, and political. And this is why we always have to keep uh, fighting for protecting our rights uh, and to be part of this uh, global change. Irene, thank you. Thank you very much for your time, for your words, uh, for giving us an insight on women in conflicts. Uh, thank you very much to the Martin Center for making this podcast possible. And thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. That was today's episode of Her and EU. Subscribe to our podcast for more.